James chapter 3. We're finally there. To that chapter that speaks about the sins of the tongue. Come with me to the throne of grace. Let's pray. Oh God, I pray that you would please help us Father, as we open up your word, I pray that you would speak to us, Father. Lord, this chapter is probably one of the most comprehensive chapters in all of the word of God that reveals to us how terribly dangerous we can be with the words of our mouths, Father, with our tongues. Wars have started because of a few words. Father, great fires have burned thousands of acres of land because of one little match that was lit, one spark. Lord, I pray that you would teach us as, as James, your servant, has written this portion of the Word of God. I pray that, Lord, even as I preach it, I would be introspective with myself. Lord, that we would all think of ourselves and not of someone else that we might think might have problems with this sin. Oh God, we need your help. Lord, we need sanctified hearts. Father, us who are saved, we need, Father, to mature, become of full age. As you said, be perfect as your Father, which in, in heaven is perfect. And Father, when we when we are able to, by your grace, grow and mature, then, Father, our tongues should also follow suit. So help us. Forgive us for our sins. Lord, thank you for these that are here. I pray that you'd bless each one. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> James 3, verse 1. My brethren, be not many masters. What he's saying there is not many of you should be teachers. And the reason ought to be obvious because you're going to be speaking a lot of words. He says, be not many masters knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation or stricter judgment. You'll be judged harsher because you stand here and teach and you preach. You'll be judged harsher when people behold your life in the world. Now, this doesn't just apply to someone who stands and preaches. It applies to any Christian who would go out and tell someone about Christ. You can't tell someone about Christ. You can't point them to the perfect and impeccable Savior. You can't point them to the one that will forgive them for all of their sins. And then you go out and sin with impunity in the world and they see that. And so every Christian will receive the greater or stricter judgment. James goes on, for many things we offend all. Many things, not just the tongue. If any man offend not in word, the same man or woman is perfect and able also to bridle the whole body. Remember we talked about the bridle when we were in James chapter 1. The bridle is the, the straps that are on a horse's head, basically, and used to control the great animal. He says, Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths that they may obey us. 
we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great, and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, a rudder, whether the, soever the governor listeth. Even so the tongue is a little member, so a little bit, a little rudder, and a little tongue. The tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth, so the tongue is there called a fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defiles the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature and it is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beasts and of birds and serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind but man can't tame his own tongue. The tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. <clears throat> Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. That's the second time he used that that greeting to them my brethren that term of endearment it shows us that he was talking to those that were believers then he reasons further last two verses doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter and we know the answer no can the fig tree my brethren <clears throat> bear olive berries either of vine figs no so can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. <clears throat> this is one of the most searching passages in all of the word of God about the sins of an untamed, an unruly, and an unbridled tongue. <clears throat> and in reality, it's the manifestation. An untamed tongue is the manifestation of an unsanctified heart. We can all find ourselves in that place from time to time, but it should never be how we are all the time. <clears throat> it's true that only God can see into your heart, but eventually you may be able to hide the sin that's in your heart, but eventually that sin's going to overflow and come out, and the vent of your heart is your mouth. Jesus tells us that. He says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Eventually, if you don't check sin in your heart, if you don't confess your sins to God from your heart, and you build up that sin and that strife and that pride and that contention within, eventually you're going to make contact with somebody, they're going to rub you the wrong way, and that sin's going to come out. You might blame it on them. You might blame it on the circumstances. But the reason is because of an unsanctified heart. <clears throat> the wise man in Proverbs says, 
My son, keep thy heart with all diligence. Means above all keeping. Your Christianity, the centerpiece of your Christianity is this, keeping your heart with all diligence. For out of your heart are the issues of life. Out of your heart comes what's in your heart, out of your life, out of your mouth. Verse 24 of that proverb says, keep far from thee a froward mouth. And so, beloved, we are called to keep our hearts with all diligence. Listen, many of us suffered from untamed and unbridled tongues before God saved us. I know I did. But after our salvation, after God gives us a new heart, after God gives us a new spirit, after God puts his spirit within us, beloved, what should follow that is a new tongue. If we have a new nature and a new heart and a new spirit and a new Lord, we should speak a different language that we spoke before we were saved. And that's just the bottom line. That's who we should be. As we grow in grace and in sanctification and maturity in Christ within our hearts, our tongues should also be becoming more sanctified, more controlled, more tamed. It's easy to understand a new Christian suffering maybe a little more frequently with an unbridled or an untamed tongue. But the longer we grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the more we mature in the faith, beloved, that should be one of the most conspicuous things about you, especially if you had a really untamed tongue. Listen, some folks that are lost, they're introverted. They don't say a whole lot. And so that's a good thing. I wasn't one of those persons. And so, listen, I needed this sanctification. Bottom line, we all need it. We all need our tongues to be tamed. And that starts, beloved, from within our hearts. Now, James already prepared us for this. In James 1.19, he said, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every one of you, and in the, in the context of James 1.19, he's talking about how we receive the word of God. But listen, this is good instruction for everyday life. It's good instruction for conversing. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Listen, nothing is a greater springboard for an untamed tongue than an angry spirit, than an angry spirit. James teaches us be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. That's not how God's righteousness will be seen. So we need to be very careful about what we say. Listen, you are ambassadors for Christ. You carry the name of Christ into the world. And so, beloved, in Romans 2, Paul tells the Jews that boasted that they knew the word of God. They knew the law. He says, yes, and you go out and sin with impunity. So God's name is blasphemed through you. And man, I don't want that, beloved, about me. And we should not want that about ourselves. Proverbs says in the multitude of words, Proverbs 10, 19, in the multitude of words, if you talk too much, 
there wanteth not sin. The more you talk, the more you're going to be prone to say perhaps what you shouldn't say. And so be careful. And he says there, but he that refraineth his lips is wise. Listen, this is a spiritual discipline that we must cultivate in our lives. Listen, when we say something, we need to try and make sure as best we can by the grace of God that we have something to say that's edifying, that's profitable, that's not contentious or proud. We need to do as best we can to bring that to pass in our lives as Christians. Because listen, we serve the Lord Christ, we also represent the Lord Christ by our words. Proverbs 17, 27 says, He that hath knowledge spareth his words. And a man of understanding is of an excellent spirit. Even a fool, when he holds his peace, is counted wise. So it shows one that would normally, you might normally think he's a fool, but when he holds his peace, he's counted wise. And he that shutteth his lips is esteemed a man of understanding. Beloved, these truths must be cultivated in our lives. And I'm not telling you, not, I'm not telling you to, to go out there and not say anything. Some of us are called to speak more than others. But we need to make sure we've got something to say. Especially we who are preachers of the word of God. Especially us who are children of God when we speak to others. Here's the problem. Your lips will betray your heart. Your lips, the words that you say, will tell everybody around you what's really in your heart. And that might be bad. And so that's why it's so important, as Solomon says in Proverbs 4, keep thy heart with all diligence. So James teaches us the wisdom of being slow to speak or slow to react or answer. Some of us are quick draw. Somebody says something and we're going to hit them back. Not physically, but with words. Don't do that. James then in verse 26 of that same chapter, he says, If anyone among you, any man among you, anyone, seems to be religious but does not bridle their tongues, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is vain. And so an unbridled tongue, it speaks to the value or the authenticity of your Christianity. Listen, <clears throat> those that know us also know the genuineness and authenticity of our profession of faith in Christ by the words that we speak, but also by the words that we don't speak. They'll know. Listen, sometimes you just shouldn't, sometimes you just should, shouldn't say anything. Proverbs 26, 4 and 5 says that. Seems like a contradiction, but he says, Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him. The very next verse says, Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own conceit. So you have a contrast in the wisdom of the word of God. Sometimes it's right to answer. Sometimes it's not right to answer. And listen, the way that you're going to know that is 
to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. We need to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves, especially with our tongues. We need to be so careful, beloved. Listen. One wicked word from your mouth could ruin your testimony with someone forever because people remember those things. They remember those things. They'll always go back. You could confess it and they'll always go back. I remember you said that. And so, listen, we need to be so careful. Listen, if there's anything your Christianity ought to be producing in you, it's good words, godly wisdom that come forth from a sanctified heart. I love Proverbs 19:14, the end of that psalm. The psalmist ends, he says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart See, those things are linked. What's in your heart's going to come out of your mouth. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Beloved, we need to live this Christian life in the sight of God, and we need to speak every word as if God is right there hearing that word. He is. And so that brings me to... Verses 1 and 2 of James. And this is not an unfamiliar text. James says, let, let not many of you be teachers. I think Luther said this. Many are called to be diligent hearers and doers of the word, but only a few are called to be teachers and preachers of it. And so James teaches us here that the great disqualifier... The great disqualifier for the ministry to be a pastor, an elder in one of God's churches, is an unruly and an untamed tongue. It can't be. That's why in the requirements for a pastor, the scripture Paul wrote to Timothy says, don't lay hands on a novice. Don't do it. He'll be lifted up with pride and he'll say things that he ought not to say. Paul wrote to Timothy again, that the men who preach and teach the word of God must not be strikers. They must not be brawlers, meaning not quarrelsome and contentious men, not men that are soon angry. Listen, if you're going to be in the ministry, and listen, this should really be true about you if you're a Christian. If you're quick to get angry, that's something that you need to seek the Lord about. We should not be quick to anger. Listen, the scriptures so often tell us to be like our Heavenly Father. Be perfect as your Father is perfect. Be merciful as your Father is merciful. Another thing about your Heavenly Father is He's slow to anger. And that should be us. The Bible says, He that ruleth his spirit is better than a general that takes a city. And so we need to be able to rule and govern ourselves. If we can't govern ourselves, beloved, it's coming out. It's going to come out of our mouths. So, not many of you should be teachers, he said. Be so careful before you would enter in upon ministry. And I would say with that, take heed. And listen, I say this to myself. For every man that, that comes and preaches here, take heed, you men that teach and preach in the church, for you will be judged more strictly by those who hear you here when they see you out there. And especially when they see you out there 
and you do things that you preach against right here. And listen, Jimmy's talking to himself. Listen, we need to take heed of this. You might be thinking that's a tall order. Well, that's why James wrote it. Thou therefore that teachest others, Paul says, teachest thou not thyself? If you teach that the people of God shouldn't do this, why do you do it? And so that's in Romans 2, you can see that. Again, there's no doubt that James is teaching us about those who would teach and preach in the church, but he's also speaking to every one of you Christians. I think sometimes we compartmentalize and we say, well, you know, that's just for the preacher. I can go out there and shoot my mouth off. No, you can't, and you must not. He speaks to every Christian about word sins, sins of the tongue which will quickly destroy your testimony and your witness for Christ. <clears throat> I was thinking about that this past week. How many sins would be prevented if we refrained from speaking? How many sins are word sins? How many sins are sins of the tongue? How many great fires have been kindled by that little fire that resides in our mouth? In verse 2, James says, In many things we offend all. James includes himself here. But if any man offend not in word, or if any man is not offensive by sinful words, and that's really who we should all want to be, and he's not talking about telling others about Christ with love and the gospel being offensive to them. That's a whole nother story. He's talking about being offensive with your words, sinfully offensive with your words. If any man can live in this life like that or any woman, the same as a perfect man or woman and able also to bridle. Notice the language there in verse 2. Able also to bridle the whole body, <clears throat> the whole person, that little member. And listen, when I talk about that little member, the tongue doesn't act alone. Understand that. You can cut a man's tongue out who's got hatred in his heart and he'll write it down or he'll shake his fist at you. So it's not the tongue acting alone. It's the tongue speaks forth that which comes from a wicked heart. And when James says this, he says the same man that can tame his tongue is a perfect man. He's not talking about sinlessly perfect. He's talking about one that is of full age, mature. You've said that about children. You see them while they're immature. That's why they do that. That's why they say that. As we grow in grace, we should become of full age. We should grow in grace. <clears throat> If we've been saved for any length of time, we should be eating on some milk of the word. We should be cultivating that in our hearts. Newborn babes drink the sincere milk of the word. We expect them to maybe stumble a little more. But as we grow, beloved, don't make excuses for yourself because of your family or that's just the way you are. Listen, I've heard people say, well, that's just the way I am. You cross me and I'm going to be in your face. Well, no, that's wrong. 
That's just the way I was brought up. Well, you need to be brought up a different way now under Christ. You need to learn Christ. <clears throat> Our excuse should never be, that's just the way I am. That's to let the old man win. That's to let the old man live. That's not to kill him and mortify him. So when James says be perfect, he's talking about a full age, mature in the faith of Christ, and one that is learning by God how to govern their tongue. Learning. In fact, at the end of chapter 5, Sermon on the Mount, Jesus told his hearers, after he told them, <clears throat> And this is the perfect he's talking about. Love your enemies. Do good to them that hate you. Pray for them that despise you. I'm not quoting this perfect, but you know what it says there. Love your enemies. Pray for those that despise you and hate you and persecute you. And speak terribly of you. And love those. Not just that love you, but those that hate you. And at the end of that little section, he says, Be ye therefore perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. And he's basically saying, You need to be like your Father. Now, we'll never be perfect, sinlessly perfect like the Father, but He is our example. Luke says, Be ye therefore merciful as your Father in heaven is merciful. Peter says, Be ye holy, for I am holy, saith God. So, beloved, that's our standard. And that's what we should seek for because we represent the Most High God. Listen, to control your words and to govern your tongue is to be able to control your whole body. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. That includes your tongue. Holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So, beloved we are, if we would govern our tongues, beloved, we must be sanctified in our hearts. Look at 1 Corinthians 9, 27. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 27. <clears throat> and listen, here's the stark reality of your Christian life in the world and of those that know you, those that know me. They're going to know your Christianity mostly by what you say how you speak, how you react. They're going to know the authenticity, the sincerity, the genuineness of your Christianity by your words. They'll see your actions, unspoken actions, and that's all part of it. But when they know you, they're going to know you by your words. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 27. Paul, he says here, but I keep under my body. He's talking about those before this, those that strive for the mastery. He's talking about the athletic games, like the Olympics, these men that train. You know, these, you, know you watch these Olympians and you watch these athletes, it's pretty amazing some of the things they can do. They, they do it because... They bring their bodies under subjection. They train their bodies in pain. Some of the things that they can do, like the like a pole vault, just some of the things that they can do, you look at that and you say, that's amazing. Now, Paul uses that imagery in verse 27. He, he says, I, you're to do that like the athlete. 
in your spirit. He says, I keep under my body. What that means is, I discipline my body. I bring it under subjection. I control it. It doesn't control me. I discipline my heart. I take the word of God in. I rehearse these passages of the scripture. I seek my Lord in prayer. I do my best by what God has revealed to me in his word to grow in grace, to cultivate the culture of Christianity into my life and the culture of the world out of my life. <clears throat> I bring my body into subject, to subject, subjection. You could put there my tongue. I discipline my tongue, bring, bring it into subjection, lest by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be disqualified, be rejected, be a castaway. That's so very important. Listen, think about how many fights you can think in your own personal life. <clears throat> but you can look around you. Think about how many fights, how many wars, how many contentions could be avoided if we controlled our tongues. If we just didn't say anything. How many marriages might be saved if certain words were not spoken? Child of God, if you suffer from an uncontrolled tongue, this is a call from God for you to repent of that sin. I think we could all say, I have need of repentance because I sometimes say things that I shouldn't. Beloved, we need to repent if we have an untamed tongue. We need to do the work of sanctifying our hearts. We need to be doers of the word in that respect and not hearers only. Remember James 1.26, If any among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man or woman's religion is vain. I don't want our Christianity to be seen as worthless out there. Because listen, the world knows, it's amazing, <clears throat> the world knows out there what Christianity is supposed to look like. They know. They may hate it, they may never want to profess faith in it, but they know what it should look like. And they'll spot it a mile off. And they'll see it when it's not right. In James verses 3 and 4, chapter 3, James continues his thought about the restraining bridle, which is attached to the bit that goes into the house, the mouth rather, of the powerful horse. You think of a horse. Horses intimidate me. I've ridden them and... Every horse I've ever been on, I feel like I'm on something that is not going to listen to me. I've had them run, and I couldn't stop them to the point where I'm thinking about how am I going to jump off of this thing. But we put a restraining bridle on a horse on his head, which is attached to a very small bit that goes into the horse's mouth. So it's a little bit. And the great ships... I love to go on YouTube and I watch these, they have videos of these giant ships in 30 foot seas. And I love to watch that, they'll show, you'll see these ships, you'll see the, the bows going underwater. And the rudder that steers that ship is very small, it's in the back. And so there's the little bit in a horse's mouth. And listen, this is human wisdom. It's human wisdom that developed that bit. 
Somebody invented that thing, and they figured, hey, we can put this in a wild horse's mouth. And every horse is wild until he's tamed, right? You ever see people tame a horse? They got to, they gotta, before you ever get on that horse's back, they got to tame that horse. And then eventually, they don't put the bit in right away. Eventually, they take that thing nice and easy and stick it in the horse's mouth. And eventually, somebody gets on the back of that horse. And that horse says, oh, no, you don't. And then somebody breaks that horse, and they tame that horse. And then after that, I like Gunsmoke. I watch Matt Dillon ride his horse, and he, he don't. <clears throat> Matt Dillon barely pulls on those reins. That horse knows which way he's going, and back then they really rode those horses. I mean, you see these men ride the horse, they jump off, and they put the, the horses. It's like the horse knows his rider. It's like that man becomes part of that horse. <clears throat> And so we have the ability to tame a powerful horse. And then man, in his wisdom, they invented this rudder in these ships that go into these hurricanes. They'll go cross seas into these hurricanes and steer this thing. And they steer these great ships. Look at James 3.7. If you're back there, I've got to get myself back there. James 3, 7, for every kind of beasts and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed. And look who tamed them. We did. Man has tamed the great horse. You see man taming orca whales and they swim with them and they do things with them that are amazing. So we've tamed the animal brute creation. But the tongue can no man tame. We can tame all the other animals. We can't tame ourselves. And I think that's the point that James is getting to here. Humans do not have the ability to tame their own tongues. And here's the sad part. And it ought not be in us. But many humans don't even have the desire to tame their tongues. They actually like the fact that they have evil tongues. <clears throat> think about this how often have you and I'm trying to raise an awareness of this in us that we would not be those that have untamed tongues how often have you had to get the last word how often have you thoughtlessly said what you should not have said and stirred up an argument or kindled a strife that might have never happened do you use your tongue to start fires or do you use your tongue to make peace and prevent them? Just a couple of scriptural examples. You remember Nabal, 1 Samuel 25. David and his men protected Nabal and all of his flocks. And David went to him and asked him for some food. Well, David said some very wicked words toward... Nabal said some very wicked words that put evil, wicked Nabal, who, by the way, was of the house and lineage of Caleb. He was one of Caleb's sons. Good Caleb. Joshua and Caleb. <clears throat> so Nabal's wicked words put good David in a rage. You see what words can do. Nabal's wicked words put good David in a rage until David was intercepted and calmed by the good words of wise Abigail. 
Words can start fires, words can put them out. A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger like a fire. The tongue of the wise useth knowledge aright, but grievous words stir up anger. You can read 3 John later, there was a man named Diotrephes, who was one of the leaders in the church. And John wrote, and he says, I know what Diotrephes is doing, how he's prating against us, slandering us with evil words. And John says, I will come face to face with him soon. We need to be so careful that we not be slanderers, beloved. Think of our first parents in the garden of God. It was words that deceived our first parents. Those words were, God is lying to you. And now because of that one little fire, that one little spark, that one sin, wherefore as by one man and one man's sin, now the whole human race is in a raging fire of sin. By one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. And so death passed upon all, for that all have sinned. Listen, how many massive forest fires, wildfires, have been started by one little fire? I remember the Smokey the Bear commercials. You probably, if you're not old enough, you don't remember those. Where they'd show a car driving by and someone would throw a cigarette butt out and it would be one little flame and they would burn thousands of acres. These little fires happen all the time in families in the workplace and regrettably sometimes in churches. Someone slanders someone else. Someone says something that should have never been said. Someone is a whisperer or a backbiter and they say, I heard them say this about you. And before you know it, there is a war of words going on between people who were once very close family, friends, and brethren and now they are at enmity with one another. James 3, 5. Look there. Even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. That's, a, that's amazing to consider, a world of iniquity in the tongue. So is the tongue among our members that it defiles the whole body, just the same way that the little bit turns about the, the powerful horse, just the same way the little rudder turns the mighty ship, so the little fire in our mouths, beloved, it defiles our whole bodies if we allow it to. And it sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. Turn to the Proverbs, just a few verses there, and then we'll, we'll wind this down. Proverbs. Listen, I pray, listen, my prayer is if anything from this text in the Word of God that you would be wise concerning the words that you speak and that you would be careful. Listen, if we're refraining ourselves, if we're thinking about the words that we say before we say them, that will tell us that our hearts are being sanctified. And that's 
where we should be, beloved. We need to be in the Word. We need to see what the Word is teaching us about our own character. And listen, as you can start on the Beatitudes, Jesus said, blessed are the meek, the poor in spirit. Beloved, that's who we ought to be. There ought to be meekness, gentleness in us, humbleness. 16 of 27 of Proverbs. Notice, an ungodly man diggeth up evil, evil, and in his lips there is a burning fire. A froward man soweth strife. They start trouble, and a whisperer separateth chief friends. A gossiper, one who's telling slanderous secrets about someone else. A violent man enticeth his neighbor and leads him into a way that is not good. He shuts his eyes to devise froward things, moving his lips, i.e. by his words, he brings evil to pass. Terrible thing. 15, 18 of the Proverbs, just back up and we'll look at one more. 15:18 a wrathful man stirreth up strife but he that is slow to anger appeaseth strife let that be us beloved 26 of the proverbs 26 and then we'll go to galatians 26:20 where no wood is there the fire goeth out so where there is no tail bearer, one that's a slanderer, one that wants to start trouble with words, the strife ceaseth. As coals are to burning coals and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. The words of a tail bearer are as wounds, sticks and stones, huh? And they go down into the inmost parts of the belly. Burning lips and a wicked heart are like a potsherd covered with silver dross. He that hateth dissembleth or deceives or lies with his lips and layeth up deceit within him. When he speaks fair, believe him not, for there are seven abominations in his heart. Whoso, whose hatred is covered by deceit his wickedness shall be showed before the whole congregation. Whoso diggeth a pit shall fall therein, and he that rolleth a stone, it will return upon him. A lying tongue hateth those that are afflicted by it, and a flattering mouth worketh ruin. Finally, Galatians in chapter 5. Galatians 5. I think of the words... That James spoke in verse 2. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man. That's what we should desire, beloved. James 5 and verse 14. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if you bite and devour one another, that is with your words, take heed that you be not consumed one of another. Do you remember what happened when Stephen was preaching in Matthew, uh, Acts chapter 7? Do you remember? He said, you're the ones that killed Christ. And it says they were cut to the heart 
And it says they gnashed upon him with their teeth. They didn't literally bite him. They attacked him with their words and they ran upon him and stoned him and killed him. James 3.9, we'll finish. <clears throat> James 3.9. <clears throat> Three times in this passage, James uses the words, my brethren. These sins of the tongue were prevalent in James's day, and James was teaching them in this passage. He's teaching us. So as we close, verse 9, he says, Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Somebody ever tell you you're talking out of two sides of your mouth? So here James is telling them, you bless God in the congregation, and you go out there and you curse men. Out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. I say to you, I say to me, my brethren, these things ought not so to be. It's a great temptation to talk about somebody. Beloved, if you have something good to say, say that. If someone says something bad about somebody, say, well, you know, I know that there's some good things about them. Don't play into that temptation to get on board and say, yeah, you're right. Don't do it. Don't bless today and curse tomorrow. A fountain does not send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter. And a fig tree, my brethren, does not bear olive berries. And a vine doesn't bear figs. So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. So James cites these examples that cannot happen in nature. So neither should both blessing and cursing be coming out of our mouths, beloved. Listen. No man can tame the tongue. James says that in this text. But God can. And beloved, that's who we need to depend on. We need to be in our prayer closets. If we have problems, we need to say, Lord, you know I have this problem with my tongue. Listen, you need to be honest with God. The most effective prayers that you have will be those prayers where you're really honest with God and you tell him really about the things that he already knows about you. And you, listen, even when you want to deny it and you want to hide it, you have to have the gumption and the spiritual integrity to say, Lord, I don't want this, but I want to want this. I want to think right, Lord. We need to start on our thoughts. Lord, I'm thinking wrong. I thought that this morning, a little while ago. I thought to myself, I'm, I'm thinking wrong. Beloved, we need to cry out and ask God to help us. Finally, let us use our tongues to tell others about Christ, to speak words of healing and not words of death. Let us use our tongues to build up and not to break down, to not kindle strife, but to provoke unto love and to good works. The psalmist in Psalm 141, we sing this scripture song actually. The psalmist says, set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth, keep the door of my lips. 
May it, may it be so with us, beloved. The Lord Jesus said, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth that out of his mouth, which is good. Which is good. Beloved, that ought to be us. Fill your hearts and minds. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. So that when your words come forth in the world, they're good words, they're edifying words, they're words of life, they're medicinal words. The proverb says words of healing. They're like drinking a clear, cool glass of refreshing water. Your words ought to be refreshing. The wise man says, The words of the wise are like apples of gold and pictures of silver. And beloved, our words should be like that. And so I pray God would help us all. Sins of the tongue are terrible sins, but they emanate from the heart. And so, beloved, I pray that the Lord would use this for you and for me as we go forth from this day. Let's dismiss in prayer. Lord, thank you, Father, for speaking to me. And Father, I know that I will be judged more strictly because I stand here and I preach what your word says as best I can by your grace. I know there are other men here that do the same. Father, let us never misrepresent ourselves and let us never blaspheme your name by saying one thing here and doing another thing in the world. Help us, Heavenly Father. Please have mercy upon us. We don't want to dishonor you. Not one bit. And I pray that you would receive all the honor and the glory. I pray you would forgive us for where we have failed. Forgive us for when we have spoken when we should not have spoken. Lord, please visit us. And Lord, it's not that we shouldn't be speaking but it's what we should be speaking, so help us. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for this passage in the Word of God. It's been great, greatly helpful for me. I pray it would be for all your people, and we'll give you all the praise. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.